good PR is just calling a reporter relationship and being human and being like, how are you doing? What are you working on? Can I help you? What are you struggling with? And if you can help, help. Welcome to this inaugural episode of the Look Left at Marketing podcast. I'm your host, John Moran, alongside Brian Scanlon, the founder of Look Left Marketing. When we started planning for this series a couple months ago now, I guess it would be, uh, we had no idea, no one did, what the headlines would be looking like these days. COVID-19 has impacted nearly every aspect of our personal and professional lives, and of course, that includes marketing and public relations. Now, to be sure, there's plenty of marketing and communication happening these days, but the tricky part is doing it right. These are unprecedented times, so the conventional playbook, at least part of it, gets tossed aside for the time being. We'll devote most of this podcast today to talking about communicating effectively during COVID-19. But before we do that, Brian, why don't you give the listeners a brief overview of what we'll be doing on the Look Left Marketing podcast in the months ahead. Thanks, John. This is our attempt to share very relevant information about what's happening in marketing content and public relations, and especially now crisis communications, which we find ourselves in the shadow of COVID-19. We're including much of the advice we're giving clients based on work doing in the field, data on what's happening in the marketplace, and the experience of our super smart and experienced team. We also hope to bring you friends of Look Left. These are the experts, clients, and others that we turn to, uh, to give ourselves uh, an education or advice. And we hope that that'll be useful for our listeners. Let's talk a little bit about COVID-19. I mentioned in the introduction that part of the old school playbook gets tossed out the window. Is that the way you see it? Or are there elements of traditional programs that are still important now? Well, I don't think the entire playbook gets tossed out unless you had a poor playbook to begin with. Uh, Communications is a two-way street. And I think some companies have become very used to blasting out information. Um, they they want to show numbers going up, the number of marketing-based leads that are coming in. And in some cases, I, I would say less sophisticated organizations are uh, are just uh, you know trying to to move the needle on a chart without actually connecting with customers. A lot of companies have moved to account-based marketing, which is really good because that's a two-way communication. You're you're looking at an account or a company, you're finding people, and you're trying to have an intelligent conversation. Now, in PR uh, specifically, we've seen a lot of reporters shift to COVID-only type reporting, but many of them have actually come to us and said, you know, I'm still writing about news and things that are interest that may not even directly be related to COVID. Now, I, you can't operate in a tone-deaf manner. You need to address that it's there. But for our staff and what a lot of people are doing, which honestly is good PR, is just calling a reporter relationship and being human and being like, how are you doing? What are you working on? Can I help you? What are you struggling with? And if you can help, help. Don't shoehorn in your your pitch just because you got to deliver that pitch that day or feel like you have to. And if you can't help them, maybe you do know somebody that could help them. Maybe, you know, we know a lot of people in the industry. We're all talking to each other. Maybe you can direct them to someone could ha- who can help. I, You know, it sounds so basic, but a lot of bad PR, like that bad marketing, has adopted bad habits of emails and you know, losing the two-way communication in favor of just talking at someone instead of talking with someone. Are there good examples of corporate marketing and PR that stand out to you? I think so. And I think uh, there's some surprises here uh, too. I think uh, Delta as an airline 
did a really great job out of the gate of saying, these are how the schedules are changing. We're going to show you videos of how we clean planes, of all the things that we do, just in this like educational, let me calm your fears uh, without, you know, over-promising or, or over-delivering. But they just, they made it very digestible for, for, for people who really don't want to hear the inside operational uh, mishmash that somebody might speak on, uh, you know, how plane operations work. So um, I think that they did a, a good job. And I would say all of the the best examples are folks who, I'm here to help you and educate you. I'm not overselling. In fact, I may not be selling at all, which is a great thing. And in some cases, giving something away for free with no strings attached. We we have a great client called Greathorn, uh, which does uh, email security, and they gave away their their platform for sixty days and no strings attached. And I think that's the important thing. If you look at an offer like that, it's relevant because uh, the bad guys always take advantage of of catastrophes and situations like this. Phishing, which is delivered by email, is still a very big problem. So it just has a new vector to come at you. And there are no strings attached. And by the way, we have a resource center. Even if you don't take us up on this offer, here's all this really great and useful information that you could do. And, you know, this might be controversial. And despite, you know, even with all the security issues, Zoom has done a, a, a good job. I mean, they, you know, they, they owned the issue. You know, something came up. I think there's a lot of blame that happens when, when we're in situations like this. And, you know, it's always refreshing to see a leader or and a company leader stand up and say, yeah, we, you know, we, you know, we are being tested like we've never been tested before. That's no excuse. And we have to do better. And here's all the things that we're doing. Um, and I, you know, they, you can't wind back the clock there and 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 change those things, but at least they're owning the problems that that happen and, and showing solutions. Our political leaders are at the forefront of what's happening these days. Who, in your opinion, is doing a good job of communicating and why? Well, I think everybody is watching uh, New York Governor Cuomo every day. And uh, because, you know, if you would like a model of how to communicate during a crisis, that's it. We're going to do a whole blog and a whole separate podcast on this, but he's very consistent, uh, very factual. He has lots of experts in data. He's clear, uh, plain spoken. And he does this thing where he distinguishes between fact and his personal opinion where he will almost say, I'm going to pause in this and then tell you what my opinion is or what I think, but I can't back this up right now. And it's very uh, it's very good to see that. Governor Newsom in my home state of California um, is not as well-spoken, or I should say plain-spoken. He, he does talk a, a lot like a bureaucrat in, 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 in many ways, but he's also Every day, giving a briefing, telling exactly what's happening, showing data, um, and and I think he's done a good job. And uh, you know, a shout out to my local California state representative, Steve Glazer, who represents Contra Costa County. Two or three times a week, has a call in phone town hall, where he collects questions uh, from uh, constituents, 
and he brings guests on. Uh, he had uh, people from the Small Business Administration and local chambers of commerce to talk about what businesses could do and the aid they could get. He's had doctors and hospitals on. Um, and he even had uh, Safeway, the largest grocery store uh, chain out in California, along with Rite Aid on the phone. And um, and they answered questions, e- even some that seemed ridiculous, like, well, I ordered yesterday and I didn't get toilet paper in my order and I got charged for it. And and a lot of credit to, I think, Safeway, who's, again, doing a good job of answering those questions directly and, and not being afraid of them and being able to tell that that constituent exactly what they should do um, and exactly what's what's happening. So I think there's a lot of bright spots. Uh, I will just say that, you know, also a bright spot are journalists right now. Uh, I think we are seeing some of the very best journalists, journalism coming out of this country in a very long time. Um, I think we're all getting, you know, email uh, summaries and newsletters, and and it's really great reporting and also um, just very useful information. Um, you know, I think being able to take what might be happening in policy and translating it to you as an individual is something that big papers are doing an excellent job of right now. In times like these, it's just as important for companies to know what not to say when they're communicating with employees in the public. What kind of things should companies skip? Well, I think the first thing is you have to freeze everything that's programmed and in motion. Uh, You know, a lot of companies have either set up automated campaigns or have things in the hopper. Everything has to be frozen and looked at for what, you know, what I call COVID context. Like, is this appropriate and uh, right now? And in some cases, it may be very appropriate. And if you can reset it a little bit and put that context on it, you've actually created a more impactful uh, asset. That you know, there's still some really tone deaf stuff getting posted. Like, so we at Look Left, we have our, our website on Wix, and Wix just had this program stuff go out that was like. How could you make your employees more productive? Five ways. And it's like, wait a minute. Like, uh, are, are there business leaders right now that want to read a generic thing about how can I make my employees more productive? My employees may be sick. They may be working in unfamiliar places. They are stressed out. And that's not a horrible topic, but it's completely without context and just blasted. Uh, over. Um, And so if you can really, you know, rework those things, I think that 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 could be a good thing. The other thing that companies, you know, there's still some companies who seem to be holding on to events. Um, You know, uh, you really can't keep kicking that can down the road. It's time to uh, really just decide where that line is, where you think you, you know, you're going to continue to go to events or just move to a more modern virtual venue. I mean, uh, I think we find that the bigger events these days are pretty noisy. Smaller events are tending to be better. But what an opportunity to, you know, really get into a virtual community building exercise as a company and say, okay, I can't put everybody physically together, but what would a virtual community look like uh, for us, and how could I build that? Every company wants to be seen as offering as much as possible to employees, customers, and the communities, but some companies make a mess of things. What's the right way to go about it? Well, I think for employees, uh, you have to have a lot of empathy. Uh, you know, we uh, we posted a blog about how to make, uh, you know, work from home not be WTF. And, you know, it, 
you, you've now as a company kind of invaded your employees home. I mean, they're now working, they got kids on their lap, the dogs are barking, you know, uh, they, they, they're not, you know, used to necessarily operating this way. I think we're a little lucky because we're, you know, steeped in, in technology, but uh, there are so many other industries that aren't, you know, there are people who have desktops and, you know, still use, you know, still have landlines and there's nothing wrong with any of that, but it's, it's highly disruptive. So I think in terms of offering for, for employees, I think you have to give them some empathy and some flexibility. And uh, there's this great um, scene in Mad Men where, uh, where uh, Don Draper is getting yelled at because his staff is not working nine to five hours. And he's like, they're creatives. They work when they work. And I think there, there's this notion of people are now going to work when they work. And if they can't, the best managers are going to be able to kind of figure that out and provide that flexibility. Um, in terms of cu customers, you really, I think there are two things. One, you have to offer relevant offers. I mean, it could be very tone deaf. If you're stretching your your offer to meet a COVID thing, it, it, it's just inappropriate. And two, are people really paying that much attention? So offer them assistance if you have assistance to offer. If you don't, then check in with them and then, you know, follow up them later um, with something that might be uh, more relevant. And the most important thing is there can't be any strings attached. Uh, there's a, there's a, a database vendor that will uh, go unnamed that basically said, oh, give us your customer testimonials and we'll donate to this charity X amount of dollars for everyone we get. That's just really kind of hollow right now. I mean, what a, what a, what a missed opportunity. Why not go to your customers and say, we want to help. Who in your communities needs help? And what? let's vote on who we're going to help. And then we will write a check to those companies. And then maybe surprise them all and donate to all of them in some amount uh, on behalf of the customer, if you could, you know, pull that off and if it's appropriate. But I think we have to think a bit differently. And um, and and if you apply this layer of empathy and help, that's a good place to start. Everyone thinks of social media as a way to get messages out, but it's also a fantastic way to learn about your customers, your partners, and your communities. Why do you believe social media is an underutilized resource for helping companies determine what and when they say things? Well, I think it's about listen, listen, listen. Like uh, you, you, you have this opportunity with social media to tap into the feelings and, and see what's happening and what people are posting on. And, and you have to do a lot more listening than talking when it comes to social media right now. And if you, you're finding a pattern or customers are complaining, that's a huge opportunity to, you know, to invite them, you know, into, to a phone call or to, to a chat, not chat bots, but a real chat with a live person and help them in, in any way uh, uh, that you can. I think that that's just, you know, people are going to cry, scream, punch, punch you, promote you, all of those things in social, social media. So listen and, and understand the, 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 the context, you know, I, we talked about freezing programming. I think that's very relevant, obviously, in, in social media. And that example, you know, where, oh, you know, if you want to engage with customers, what a great social media exercise it would be to ask people on social media, like, we want to do more to help. What are some of your favorite hospitals or charities that are involved in COVID-19 or your local food banks? And get all of that feedback from from customers. I mean, 
say you got a hundred customers and you know you donated a hundred you know a hundred dollars to each one you know that's that's a pretty good exercise and i think that your customers would be grateful for that not every company can do that but but what a way to just you know chime in and make a make a connection rather than hey i'm running the promo sign up and we'll send you uh uh, streaming free streaming services for four months, so you can kind of settle in during the shelter in place. It's just it's very kind of tone deaf. Every industry, especially healthcare, is already talking about long term changes from COVID nineteen. Do you see anything happening in communications during this crisis that will leave a permanent mark on the way marketing and PR people conduct themselves once this passes? Certainly, uh, the events business is going to struggle. There's no doubt about that. So we're going to see a move from everything. Phys- physical to digital. And I think that there's going to be a new renaissance in digital marketing and digital community building and and finding ways uh, where you're not physically uh, present in order to to communicate. I do think the pendulum is going to swing pretty aggressively once uh, some of the, the mandates are lifted. I mean, people are going to flood to each other for personal contact. But I think over over time, we're going to see a lot of digital um, marketing. And of course, you need content to fuel that. I mean, people are consuming massive amounts of content. We know that. We know that that people and enterprise buyers are reading five to seven pieces of content before they buy. How does that content become relative when you may not know the context in which it's consumed? Like somebody could go to your website now and maybe download something and they're reading that while dealing with this and does that content still speak to them could you change it slightly you know how can you you know make these things uh more uh relevant obviously and i don't want to sound like every other you know crisis communications uh counselor in the world but obviously crisis plans are going to get rewritten um now one thing that's a huge pet pet peeve of mine is I don't mean rewritten in that we're going to have, you know, a lot of people will come in and just start lecturing companies of all the things they did wrong. And uh, if you'd only prepared for this, or if you'd only done this and shame on you, well, you know, get over it. Like a, most businesses don't have pandemic in their crisis communications plan. It's just not there. Uh, Maybe it will be moving forward. But, you know, I think as communications professionals, we're going to start seeing plans that are really more focused less on the event and more on the, the process. How do you like deal with something like this very quickly? Uh, how do you how do you you know, how do you you know, your crisis may not be planned. What's the mechanisms in place operationally uh, that let you uh, do that? And then I would say, finally, I think mission and cause and values are really on display right now. I think we we hear about some some companies where people are are forced to go to work. They they don't have safety gear or protective gear even outside of hospitals um where you know people are pushing people uh to you know to go do the project anyways. Um I I think it's a really you're going to see the true colors of a lot of, of the company you work for in this time. And, uh, and none of them will be perfect, uh, you know, no, cause nobody is, but what a time to like, you know, coming out of this say, okay, what did we learn? What are our values? Well, how did we get through this? Uh, what are the, what are the things that brought our teams together and, and living those continuing to live those moving forward? 
All right, Brian, thanks. A lot of good information so far and, and more to come in future podcasts. Any final thoughts today, though? Well, I think the most important thing is uh, take care of your people and your customers. Uh, put the people first and uh, you will have far less problems than the people who are just working on standard promotions and propaganda. Well put. Thanks, Brian. That's it for our initial episode of the Look Left at Marketing podcast. We invite you to join us for our next program when we'll sketch out a crisis framework, a simple but effective plan for getting ahead during difficult times. And of course, we hope you'll subscribe to the Look Left at Marketing podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, also we welcome your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Thanks again for joining us. Till next time, be well.